Is this, is this film a porno? Oh, it feels like it could be at any moment. Is anybody hurt? No, everybody's fine. Oh man, that's alright, uh, got everything under control. Hello, welcome to a very special edition of Uncaged. What we decided to do for today's episode is, as Nick Cage is starring uh, in his uncredited role in Never on a Tuesday as the eponymous man in red sports car <laughs> uncredited this is the perfect follow-up to his performance in vampire's kiss this is what i would call getting what you deserve he needed a holiday <laughs> i think and he was just like listen i just want to drive a cool red sports car and get paid but have no one know it was me what we've opted to do this time around is we're going to watch the film together uh, and we're going to bust out our binoculars and do some cage spotting and see if and when he is spottable in this film. Neither of us have any idea what to expect. We're looking forward to finding out. In the lovely words of the late, great Robbie Williams... God rest his soul. Grab your binoculars, come and follow me. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, we will be starting the film in three, two, one, and here we go. I I already have a feeling this is going to suck, Ben. Uh, Yeah, as do I. Yeah, I'm not feeling overly confident about watching this. But listen, I am definitely very excited to see what Nick's going to bring to the performance. He's obviously such a powerful, well-regarded performer. And for him to take such a a subtle underplay of a role is quite frankly fascinating to me. I imagine it must be some sort of friends or something like that. It must be some sort of in where there's like, we need someone, this will be a bit of fun. And he was like, yeah, right. Judging by what he put forward on Vampire's Kiss, that must have been exhausting. So I'm almost certain he just needed a holiday, essentially. That was the first time in Vampire's Kiss that it was the only film that he did in a year since his debut. Interesting. So from what I understand, just based on what I'm seeing on the screen so far, this is sort of a movie set in California, obviously where his story began many years ago. So far in this movie, all I'm seeing is sort of a montage of uh, ladies' bottoms. Yeah, and two dumb-sounding West Coast guys sort of just kind of commentating on some sort of voyeurism. Yeah, it's quite (laughs) a a voyeuristic like commentary from these two dudes. It feels very improvise but not in a way that we've known uh, our good good guy nicholas to do so all right we've got the rear of a bumper here california or boobs the uh bumper sticker says what, what does that mean can we start there yeah i mean how how does that mean it anything? doesn't really mean anything california or boobs okay i'm a little <laughs> disappointed we've got the opening credits now and we're looking at a car driving along the highway it's going at quite some speed by the look of it but i am disappointed by the color of it it's more of a washed out green than an exciting sports red so no luck yet no we've got no, no cage is not in this car let down. I'm not sure who these nerds we're looking at are. I can't even really read the titles. So I, whilst looking at, into trying to find this film to find out everything we needed to know, did get a slight glimpse at the cast. Okay. And I'm not gonna. I don't. It's not necessarily anyone noteworthy, but I did also see the roles that people are playing. And there appeared to have been three main roles in this. Okay. And everyone else I saw was billed as zombie. Uh, oh, interesting. Well, that's not what I suspected at all. Uh, taking it at face value, just looking at the poster, the typography they've chosen, and this introduction scene there, I did not think zombies were going to come into the mix at any no. at any point. This almost felt like, to me, it was going to be like a best of times too, yeah, where um, the gang gets back together as teenagers and gets a bit random. Immediately describing what we're seeing as it goes on, the way this feels if i was to describe it in one word would be b-tech yeah this feels quite b-tech it's sort of a i mean i'm getting a lot of buddy comedy vibes we're talking over most of the dialogue but that's not even remotely important to me honestly could not care less about what these nerds are saying they're not in the car of cage they're not important to the role of our lord and savior i feel like every single time that there is a scene with a road we are going to be on the edge of our seats here currently our two characters on screen are driving down the highway at, uh, at some speed to where i couldn't say i'm not that interested let's speculate california yeah i'd say california or boobs it could be or they could be on their way to boobs <laughs> oh we've got some light-hearted tomfoolery going on behind the steering wheel here oh a bit of dangerous driving a, l- a little tussle uh-oh uh-oh uh, oh it's a red car it's a red car 
It looks a bit... They're not going to crash into Cage. Yeah, they are not surely going to... Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. They've written off the red car. Okay, there's a red car here. Oh, no. It's been absolutely trashed by this exciting green sports car. God, I hope they haven't killed Nick Cage. Have they just killed Nick Cage? Not in the opening 10 minutes. I don't want to watch the whole of this film for no reason. What if this is him? What if we're just about to see Nick Cage on screen less than 10 minutes into this? I'm honest. I'll I'll be relieved but so upset that we don't have to watch the whole of this film for no reason. (laughs) They've done what I think most people would do in a tragedy and they've just decided to... Just sit there. Sit and pant. One of them is kind of hyperventilating, complaining about his car. Not at all worried about the potential dead body in the car next to them. God, I'm in the edge of my seat. This camera is... Oh, this guy's lost his glasses. The camera is glued to our two drivers here, and they are refusing to show us the red car. There we go. Oh, come on. This can't be Cage. It didn't look very sporty, but I didn't really get a good look at it. That's what I thought. It looked like a 1980s Beetle. Yeah. But maybe for the era, that was the sports car of choice. Oh, Come on, show me who's in there. They've killed someone. Oh, God. They're confirmed. I mean, listen, these two guys behind the wheel are as to blame as each other. Surely we're not going to see Nick Cage in this film, uncredited or not, but we're going to just see him as a corpse. Surely not. He could be a zombie. Whoa, stop it. Do you know that moment at the beginning of The Boy in Blue where Nick Cage just fucking T-bones his own rowboat to take someone out? (laughs) I feel like that's what's just happened, but to Nick this time. Yeah, it's gone full circle. You know he's going to come out the car and start to blame them, despite him driving directly into where they were going. But they're loving this shot. We've been looking at this same shot of these two boys arguing and the refusal to cut to a different one for... A good minute and a half, two minutes here. Right, here we Looks go. Looks like they're finally getting out the car. I'm crossing my fingers, but... There's the red car. There's the red car. This is a slow panning shot round to see it. So they've been really close to it, but none of them even just looking out the window to see if there's a dead body in there. Doesn't look like anyone was even driving it. Okay, our camera's coming round. Oh, uh, is... The, oh. Oh, there's no one in the car. No one's... Oh. oh, someone's in the car. We've got some movement. The question is, Ben, is that a sporty beetle? Could this be our guy? The quality version we're watching is far too low. Oh, no, this could I, be him. I, I, <laughs> so... <laughs> A delicate, dainty, high-heeled shoe dropping out of the car door. I can confirm this is Nick Cage. <laughs> Are they really doing a sexy reveal for someone that's just been in a road traffic accident? I really want it to pan up and have like a bone sticking out somewhere. <laughs> Odd choice. Yeah. They're playing great balls of fire. I mean, goodness gracious. <laughs> Sorry, guys. This is not Nicolas Cage. Okay, we can confirm Nicolas Cage has not revealed himself yet. He's playing his cards close to his chest. <laughs> just as well like most of this episode is going to be freestyling and padding but uh it would be very much more so well one of the guys has had to quickly run and get some deodorant or maybe some hair mousse god imagine that if you were in a road traffic accident and someone sees you and decides that you're attractive so instead of apologizing offering to exchange insurance details checking if you're okay they immediately just try to get their sex on and start doing their hair. One of the guys is creeping behind the lady that stepped out of the car to look at her behind. That's inappropriate. It's a very cagey move, isn't it? Yeah, that is quite cagey. Maybe they wrote the role, these two roles, in fact, for him. He was going to be playing both of these boys originally, but he was out of the budget. But he did they did float the script to him in the process leading up to it, so he decided that he'd do a cameo. I will be in your film, but in my way, which is, I just want a red sports car. <laughs> On my own terms. So I think by the time this film came out, Nick Cage uh, is probably 26 years old. Does that sound about right? Uh, What do we say? This is 1989. Oh, yeah. 26, 27 years old. So I wonder how many sports cars he owns at this point. We know that later on he goes to own, you know, one for every day of the month and then some. That that was his motorbikes. Oh, right. So maybe even more. Who... It's, diff- it's difficult to know. Between his, his multitude of houses. So not much is really going on here. God, this, this film feels like an absolute... It's, this seems dead in the woods right here. I'm trying to find any amount of trivia on here. There's not much. Yeah, I think all the trivia that I be... Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> what? So just for a bit of dialogue here, uh, the guy who's gone back to redo his hair has come out just to be very clear to the lady he's trying to impress that they weren't doing anything gay or anything when they when they crashed the car. Oh, for goodness sake. She did not ask that. No, there was a no point implied. I don't think many pe- that's happened to a lot of people. Hang on. Did you just crash into me? Were you giving him a handjob? Were you doing gay stuff? <laughs> 
No, I want to be perfectly clear, madam. This was a big heterosexual car crash of a film. <laughs> I know we weren't driving straight, but everything inside the car was. <laughs> this is the feature directorial debut for Adam Rifkin. Rifkin. <laughs> Kerry King. <laughs> it turns out Nicholas Cage is not the only cameo in this film. Okay, interesting. So they were flown out, the, the different cameos, on their individual days. And I want you, Ben, to see if you can guess one of the other cameos. Yikes. You make me do a lot of very broad guessing games here. So. I know, I, I enjoy it. I mean, we got time to kill. We need to pad this out, so guess away. <laughs> I'll give you... 27 guesses <laughs> <laughs> if I do one a minute we might see Cage before then I would guess that one of the other cameos in here is from Samuel L. Jackson that's exactly right it's Charlie Sheen he <laughs> <laughs> was one of my guesses for something the other day I, I know I thought, that's what I thought he might get this one of course Charlie Sheen's in this there was lots of shots of bottoms at the beginning and that's he was sold on that I'm sure that was a weird time in history where Charlie Sheen kind of before memes became such uh a household word a household name charlie sheen really became uh, a meme in a major way a few years ago with this whole winning thing but that was such a strange campaign for lack of a better word it's a strange one because there's a there's obvious kind of comedy to pick out from it but when you do analyze it that is a very public mental breakdown absolutely but the way he was attempting to own it. Similar to this very physical car breakdown that the characters are currently going through. <laughs> and I can't think which one is more tragic, Ben. <laughs> I've also just noticed on the version of this that we're watching, there's actually a view counter. Uh, I don't think this film is particularly well loved in the year. Have we got a red sports car, Ben? Oh my god, okay. A red sports car is approaching. This is a very, a very sporty car. I feel like this is it. Oh my god. I can't see through the windscreen, but this is there's no doubt this is a red sports car. I'm fairly certain this film does not have the budget for two sports cars. Oh my god, it's pulling up. Oh, this has got to be it. Come on. Oh, is it? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> What's the nose? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. What? <laughs> oh my god. We have cage off. There's some dialogue, people. Is there? Uh, 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 he is cackling he's just laughing at them he's in this bright red sports jacket to, to, to sum up he's wearing a fake nose which has made him look off the back of vampire's kiss even more like nosferatu honestly the fake nose is wearing him hang on and he's off and he's off <laughs> <laughs> what has just happened that wasn't even a cameo that makes no sense nick cage arrived at the scene of the crime he got out waved his fake nose around, he stared down the three people involved in the motor traffic accident, he cackled, leant backwards, cackling with laughter, got back in the car and drove away. So he's literally just pulled up to a traffic accident, laughed at the, the survivors <laughs> and then just left. Didn't offer them any support. I think there was some dialogue, but I kind of missed it just because I was in such a state of shock. What's going? What is going on? I mean, Cage has that effect on people, as you well know. Oh no, we're doing an '80s camera pan down to the lady's chest. Oh, for clarity, she's not wearing anything particularly revealing or you know uh, outwardly sexy. She's just dressed like a normal woman. But in all fairness, we we need to remember with California now off of the cards, boobs does seem like the only option for this film. <laughs> We were given a very strict guideline here. It was California or boobs. Mate, I can't believe that was Cage in and out. Uh, how far into this film are we? We are f 15 minutes into this 90-minute slog of a shit show, and our purpose has left the road. <laughs> we are gone. We have no reason now to watch this. Listen, man, we set out on a mission, you and I, to watch every Nick Cage feature. Oh, don't get me wrong. Gonna watch it. I'm excited he got some dialogue. I'm, ex I'm more excited that he came out wearing that nose. I don't understand what just happened there. Well, what I'm gonna do now, I uh, and don't get me wrong, my attention is gonna stay with the film, but I am gonna start popping out some articles and trying to learn some trivia. I've got one here from Vulture, which is Nicolas Cage talking... Nicolas Cage takes full credit for that prosthetic nose. Wow, okay. <laughs> okay. I would love it if no one knew he was going to do it and he just pulls up in the car. They're ready for Nick Cage to go out and they don't know he's wearing the nose and that's why he's laughing. That's probably why there was such a stunned silence from the rest of the cast. But equally at this point, he probably has about enough celebrity around him that 
What are they going to do? It's Nick Cage. They want him in the movie. <laughs> All right. This article goes on to read that depending on which corner of the internet you inhabit, Nicolas Cage could be any of the following. A misunderstood genius, a played out punchline, a risk taker prone to captivating misfires, the guy from all the memes. I mean, that's a few. I, I'm i leaning more into that he's a misunderstood genius at this part, especially for the performance I just saw him give. Him give. Yeah, this is very... So, so they've now... To bring it back to the film. These two nerds now are trying to sort out her car. <laughs> She's talking about not having a penis and she's really letting them know. She really put the pee in penis. Yeah, I feel like there was a big plosive there. At no point has anyone taken any accountability for this this crash. No. So we've got some time to pad out here for the next hour. I'm just uh, <laughs> having a little flick through this this article here about Cage taking the full credit for that prosthetic nose. I'm just glancing through and it looks like a back and forth interview. What are the odds there's some sort of ridiculously like deep meta reason why he's got the nose? Like we say, it does tie in with the Nosferatu theme of the last film, which also then ties into, you know, he's on his way back from filming Vampire's Kiss from New York, driving back to his home in California, still in the role as himself. The Cagespiracy continues. Exactly. He's just manifested in a different way now. His vampirism's changed, that it's it's left his, his teeth and transferred directly to his face. And he's got this, yeah, big, crooked Nosferatu nose attached to him, but doesn't bring it up because he's so used to it at this point he he's become a day walker because they're in the bright desert sunshine and he's unflinching but he does have a rain jacket on which is an interesting choice so he's clearly not completely immune to the sun's harmful rays at this point he's he's trying to reflect him as best he can whilst we're on the topic of kind of vampires and ghouls i've a little segment for you of cage list oh fantastic i love checking what's in that man's basket what could he have possibly bought this time and what could it possibly be that you've connected it to vampires (laughs) etc i'm assuming you're not going to want to guess this one (laughs) i mean at this point, this man's shopping choices are so vast and varied, it's almost impossible to just pick something out of the air because there's a good chance he did, but it might be not the specific one you're thinking of. So I would love to hear what Cage has added to his basket most recently. You're going to kick yourself, mate, because it's really obvious when you hear it. He bought the most haunted mansion in the world so he could write a horror novel. Oh, my God. That, I mean, <laughs> A, the fact that he bought the most haunted mansion in the world is terrific do you think it's a nod to how much he wished that he was playing jack nicholson's character in um the shining that's a great what could have been like i think he would have done a tremendous job on that oh but also the fact he's writing a horror novel is oh that is something i would love to read uh, unfortunately he he did go on to say that he didn't get too far with the novel um, the it was yeah it's the Lalaurie Mansion in New Orleans in 2007 which he bought which belonged to the serial killer Madame Delphine Lalaurie. Yeah, he lost it to foreclosure in 2009. Oh, that's a great shame. Supposedly the guy's got property in the United Kingdom. I'd love to know where. I'd love to do a, a fleeting visit. I think we've got a field trip <laughs> on our hands. Oh yes. I'm just searching for Nicholas Cage. UK properties and right at the top in the somersetlife.co.uk Nicholas Cage snaps up a £4 million house in Bath in Bath? in Bath that's doable that's a a lovely part of the country it's kind of countryside-esque I'm going to do a bit of snooping hold on a second look at the screen for a minute what's going on Ben? what are are they fantasising about this girl being into these nerds who have just written her car off? Okay, so this lady has pushed her car to the side of the road. She is sitting in her quite small dress with her legs very widespread apart and she is beckoning that they both come over. The music has shifted and she's pulling her shirt down off of her shoulders. This is very reminiscent of like, this is like if Road Trip or one of those ones was like a 1980s film. Is this this film a porno? Oh, it feels like it could be at any moment. I'm a bit anxious. A porno that... The <laughs> the foreplay of the porno is Nick Cage's massive nose flopping around <laughs> on the screen. And then he, he cackles at you and then leaves. I can't wait to see what Charlie Sheen's done to himself for this role, if that's what we're getting for the cameos. I'll admit I've not been paying the most attention to this, but I am baffled as to why what I'm watching happen on the screen is happening and why this woman has suddenly decided to turn up the heat on these two guys. I mean, personally, I've, I've never tried my odds at just writing someone's car off to see if I could uh, pursue a romantic journey. <laughs> That's straight out the cage handbook, isn't it? This seems to have just come up complete trumps for these two nerds. 
I think it's because they did reconfirm immediately that there was nothing gay going on. And she's been like, well, let's, now you've caught my attention. This is quite an intense <laughs> scene. It's a bit awkward for kind of everyone on camera, it seems. But it definitely... This is such a long shot again. Yeah, they're not huge on the camera work. Oh, my goodness. Okay, she's placing the hand of the nerdier one onto her knee. Oh, grabbing the hand of the other one. I hope no one listening to this is getting off of me describing this. This is... Oh. Hard to watch. My partner's just entered the room to check in on me, and the the, the look on her face is bemusement. I, I have no explanation for what I'm watching. Are you watching an 80s porno? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've just been asked if I'm watching an 80s porno. Uh, <laughs> and at the moment, I'm finding it very hard to say no, because maybe... Where, where are her hands? What is happening... This is not the film I think we thought we were getting. This has been one continuous shot. This is one continuous shot of this girl. She's sat between these two nerds. Ah, oh, it was a prank. She made the two boys oh. kiss. Fantastic. Five minutes of my time well spent for that terrific punchline. Gosh. <laughs> this is garbage, Ben. Weirdly, cruelly enough, this is the harshest prank that Nick has pulled on us yet. Okay, there's a, a deep conversation happening between the characters on screen about sexuality. Um, the two young men are baffled by the choice that the the female character would make to be a an eighty slang, <laughs> a lesbo. That was that was a fantastic moment there of asking, "Well, why are you lesbian?" She goes, "Well, why are you heterosexual?" The answer being, "Because we like chicks." And her response is being, so do I. <laughs> and now she's just walking off into the distance. <laughs> and, and she's just walking away. She's just leaving them, the two written off cars, and she's walking off into the void. It's just one straight road. She's just walking towards a mountain. Jeez. Well, this is an interesting position we're in now because uh, I can't recommend this film to anyone to watch, but I feel like a lot of we're going to be discussing lends itself to the action happening on screen. So what I'd like to do instead is we can <sighs> leave this playing in the background. Who knows? Maybe Nick will come back for a revised cameo. I feel like he's supposed to have a longer role, but he he showed up to this car literal car crash of a film and uh, saw the quality and caliber of this and just drove off. I feel like he was supposed to stay. That's probably why he's uncredited. He was interviewed a while ago, and he is talking about the interesting way in which the world and the internet perceives him and he's uh, this person's saying that perhaps the world just doesn't just doesn't get the his sense of humor and he nick cage goes on to say and i'm not gonna do my impression i'm working on it it'll be there by july but he goes on to say that's possible sure some people don't get it some people do but what matters to me is that i have to play something that i get i mean obviously that's so evident in this role if other people are there with me, great. He says, I've been fortunate. I found this group of fans that does see the humour and things that I do. I was delighted to see this completely bizarre cameo I did blowing up on the internet from Never on Tuesday with the long nose. I had a whole character work out for that one scene, a whole subtext, a complete unbroken, unspoken backstory. <laughs> But the fact it went viral and people find it odd and fun in the present day, that means we're in step. So this really begs the question, what did our method man do to prepare for this role? God. Ooh. We know he's prepared a whole backstory for this character. So let's speculate on this backstory here. This character almost certainly has a name. Well, his, his name's Peter Lowe, from what I can tell. And he still thinks he's Nosferatu, and he's just shown up with a big Uncle Fester nose. Just to quickly cut back to the action on screen, we're now in a nude, potentially, pool scene. I did not happen to notice the transition of how we got here. A man and a woman are close, and there's some um, kiss. Is this this nerd dreaming about the lesbian? I think so, yeah. I mean, she's made her intentions very clear, but okay. Well, there we are. The, ner the nerd's turned her. She's a <laughs> Fantastic, yeah. Uh, we've got some underpants slowly sliding down a leg there. Very tender shot. Some uh, toes glistening before the light on the swimming pool. I imagine this was perfectly not weird to film. So go back to the Cage interview. Uh, the interviewer says that they saw that clip and were surprised to see that even so early in that Cage's career, he had a unique style pretty much fully formed. Jeez, that's one way of putting it. Fully formed Cage. Cage gets back saying, yeah, at that time, I'd come out of wanting to be a surrealist. Okay, so there was a time where he wanted to, but now he's like, <laughs> this is him saying, oh, I'm not a surrealist anymore. He was interested in André Breton and Bunel, 
and he liked all the otherworldly imagery and he wanted to find a way to embody that through his performance. <laughs> this is just... Then, cutting to the core of the interview, the interviewer goes on to say to him that they heard that the prosthetic nose was Nick Cage's idea. And he says, the whole thing, yeah. The character's just some sleazy guy who wanted to pick up a girl in a Ferrari and that wasn't so interesting to him. So he came up with a concept. Oh, here we go. You've got the concept. This character had a physical deformity. I love that cage. You're really branching out, pushing outside the box. He looked like a freak. Long nose, bullied as a kid, called Pinocchio in the schoolyard. <laughs> this is so funny. He's come up with all this stuff for this like less than one minute long cameo. This is ridiculous. His father felt bad for him and he bought him a nice red Ferrari to make him feel good. He's lonely so that when he sees people on the side of the road, he wants to help them and see if they're hurt. I started screaming, Pinocchio, Pinocchio in that scene, but they cut that out. Oh my God, they cut some of his scene out because <laughs> he started having a freak out and screaming Pinocchio and they're like listen Nick this- he's gone full cage in a cameo he's like 30 seconds long this film is barely held together as it is we don't need you throwing more complications and confusions into it they cut it out wow uh, then he just gets back in his car and drives away which is completely correct that whole character all in 16 seconds <laughs> that to me says cage is interesting i want to be <laughs> i was going to be some guy in a swanky jacket with gold medallions hey baby you get in my car how many times have we seen that he's not wrong very few times have we seen the character he just played on screen for us no that's 16 seconds is all you're ever going to get of that character that will never reappear no one will ever do that again and there's maybe reason for that yes. but he goes on to say that it's about delivering something novel and unique by any means necessary and why not i mean it's been the highlight of this film so far yeah absolutely oh we've got we've we got another car pulling Hang on up. a minute is this the premise of this film yeah i believe so is that they're stuck roadside and they're trying to get help we've got another car but it looks like it i oh know it's, uh, it's is it stopping it looks like it's pulled up we've got a oh yeah it's, it's pulling over a 1920s looking blue sports car it's turning around on the road and coming back to our trio could this potentially be charlie sheen if this is the format of the film i can't believe you got cage first because that would have been such an intense lead up but i mean we knew he was man a red sports car who we got here okay there's a man in he's already sounding the horn even though he's the only person at all near them and they've seen him pull up that voice what on earth is this guy lucky larry lupin lucky larry lupin there we go is he some sort of salesman? He's trying to sell something to these... This man we're seeing right on screen trying to sell stuff to our characters is none other than Gilbert Gottfried, who does the voice of the parrot in Aladdin. Oh, of course he does. Listen to it. Yeah. That's incredible. Going back to... Uh, we were speaking about yesterday's film, Vampire's Kiss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. And in the scene where Nick decided he was going to eat a cockroach and uh, you phrased that perfectly nick decided he was going <laughs> yeah. to eat a cockroach like i'm reading more and more about it so for one just to begin with i've got a quote here from nick himself saying every muscle in my body didn't want to do it but i did it anyway through no one asking him to through no from if anything people were telling him not to do it as well guys this is just something i have to do originally in the script he was just supposed to suck on a raw egg Oh. Uh, Cage decided that wasn't crazy enough for his character, so he was the one that suggested he just eats a live cockroach. Obviously, everyone on set is horrified by this. <laughs> so after failing to talk him out of it, the, the producers, just to cover the, all their bases, make sure everything's going to be safe, calls a doctor, who's completely perplexed, said it'll probably be fine, but suggested that he drink some whiskey straight after as like a cleanser. Okay. Uh, apparently, Cage ended up washing out his mouth with 100-proof vodka. <laughs> so he didn't, didn't even listen to the doctor. He's doing everything here on his own terms. More foreshadowing for what I believe he ends up doing in the film Mandy, which I've not seen. Oh, you've not seen Mandy? Oh, no, I've not. I've actually wanted to watch it just because it looks like a very good film, but now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save myself, keep myself pure for the full experience. Um, I've got to love a little bit of uh, Method Man Cage here. Oh, fantastic. But it's in prep for another film, but I do feel like it kind of ties into something that we spoke about on his gap year. Oh, interesting. So you speculated that he, he had a gap year before he did... Was it The Boy in Blue or was it the... 1985. I'm, I'm almost certain that our boy Nicky went away abroad to study non-verbal communication and spend all his money getting really, really hammered. So I remember you saying, coming back to that, that the most believable scenes were 
was his hungover scene. Oh, yeah. For his, he's called this research, which I love, for his Oscar-winning role in Leaving Las Vegas. He prepared for this film by binge drinking in Dublin for two straight weeks. Oh, wow. And once he was completely out of it, he would get his friends to videotape him and then he'd go back and study the footage. Fantastic. What an image. So that he could play the perfect drunk version of himself. I don't know why he wouldn't just get just get drunk on set anyway at that point. Because he's a professional, Daniel. <laughs> I love the image of him sat there, sober as a judge, notepad and pen, watching footage of himself, probably on a VHS recording, absolutely out of his mind drunk and being like, oh, that's good. Oh, I slur this bit. I was just... Uh, just browsing over an article here um, with director Adam Rifkin, director of Never on a Tuesday, which we're watching live right now. Adam Rifkin uh, is interviewed about Nick Cage and the prosthetic nose. Adam Rifkin, I didn't realise, he actually wrote the 1997 comedy hit Mouse Hunt, which I loved as a kid. Oh, what a great film. I used to adore it as a kid. I haven't seen it in a long, long, long time, but yeah, I used to think it was great. And he's done a bunch of other stuff and he... <laughs> probably won't surprise you to know that his 1998 straight-to-video directional ne- debut, Never on a Tuesday, was indeed straight-to-video. He said, I think the only people who know that movie are those of us who made it, <laughs> and his mum, bless him. Uh, but of course, the number is now increasing dramatically with each passing hour, thanks to Nick Cage's cameo on it. Oh, it actually has the dialogue, which I completely missed. Is anybody hurt? Ask Cage. He's compassionate. He's caring in a high, breathy voice. I was too busy laughing to hear his high, breathy voice. We may well have to go back and review the clip at some point. Yeah, I feel like we're going to have to because it goes by very quickly. No, everybody's fine, replies Claudia Christian. Can I give somebody a lift, says Cage, wildly gesticulating like a man fending off an enraged swan. (laughs) (laughs) No, man, that's all right, responds Berg. We've got everything under control. This prompts the knowing glance and then an outburst of maniacal laughter from Cage, who then gets back into his car and drives off. It's a truly strange moment. It's also, as Navarro points out in his film, the entirety of Cage's performance in the film. It's good to know we're not getting him back at this point. So this is this is for nothing. Now we are just waiting we are we are now for quite literally no reason just watching what i can very much describe as a bad film for today's edition of what were you thinking i've actually got a straight up answer hopefully it's entertaining and not just very factual and practical because cassie and brad have basically grown up in la with all the up-and-coming young stars of the day he had met them all he the director had met them all the way it worked with with Nicolas Cage's, he was given free reign to do whatever he wanted. So that's oh, why he that's took why this. he did it. Yeah, that's he loves why that. he took this. He clearly hadn't scratched that itch hard enough in Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> yeah, clearly not. That was the caveat. That's so funny. The director's like, that was the caveat. We could get him, but we had to let him do whatever. I mean, would you want any other version of Nick at this point? He said he'd do it if he could do whatever he wanted. So he came with a big rubber nose that he wanted applied. He wanted to play this insane character, which he thought was hilarious. I love that this is all he can think of. Then he goes on to say, oh, this is the bit we're all excited for. Now, there's an uncut version of a scene that needs to be unearthed from somewhere where he says way more crazy things. This is not the version that end up in the final film, sadly, but now I wish that he could find it and use it because it's really, really bizarre. Such, uh, but there, that's the story of how Nick Cage ended up being in this film. He got free reign to do whatever the hell he wanted, and I'm sure is the reason most people have watched this movie. On on the lines of Cage doing absolutely whatever he wants, I want to go back to Vampire's Kiss and cover a, a little bit of ground here. Yes, please. Because there's, um, do you remember the scene towards the end of the movie where he's begging uh, strangers on the New York streets to kill him with a giant wooden stake? Yes, I do. <laughs> so I, just, <laughs> yes, quite an unforgettable moment. <laughs> but, um, and it, there's that brilliant moment where all of the people kind of on the streets are just so confused as to what's going on. That's because they don't know they're in a film. No, I I had this suspicion because the the reactions they're giving are so genuine. Yeah, but yeah, it's so God. genuine. New Yorker, just like get get the absolute hell away from get me. Get away from me! And like Cage convicts himself to that part so hard. 
yeah, even if you knew it was Nick Cage, you would just run away from him at that moment because you're like, this dude looks like he is about to freak out. And yeah, he once again goes on to say that he loved it. He said it's completely justified his decision to become an actor and still his favourite film to this day. Wow. I lo- what, just That's his just comment on the film in general. Just wow. to, to this day, that justified his decision to become an actor. Not any of these actual good films that he's made. Wow, not winning an Oscar, not getting to play a superhero, not stealing the Declaration of Independence. Not marrying Michael Jackson's ex-wife. No, no, the one thing that really got across that really cemented him was boohoo was screaming boohoo god for chanting the alphabet right this might be <laughs> a slightly difficult one to do because of the limited scope of the appearance but i would be remiss if we did not include a quick to the point well as you can tell i haven't got my usual bell with me but it's a cage match oh, I, I, this, this one is over in seconds <laughs> Peter Lowe against Man in Red Sports Car. Listen, Man in Red Sports Car, I will say this straight off the bat, he definitely trumps him on agility. <laughs> he was in and he was out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if Nose was a topic, he would win on that. I mean, we've got appearance as one of them. Okay, so, so, let's, so let's run this, because this might be closer than we think. This is one of the very few times where Cage isn't around long enough to become dislikable. Yeah, we've got to let Cage fight cage in a one-on-one match here just to quickly before we launch into the cage match cut back to the film in case you're wondering what action we are currently seeing at on screen we've got uh three sort of teens early 20s characters just by the side of the road which this is weird because a lot has happened since then but also nothing's happened so i'm confused if we've missed some sort of dialogue about why they're turning down these lifts away from their crash cars because they are in the middle of the desert uh decided to have a picnic instead and now it appears that all three of them are camping and have become friends but for what gain? Are they waiting for some sort of breakdown service, some sort of insurance thing? Why would they not leave the scene of the crash? That's true. They're, they're not really taking any action here, are they? No. They're sort of just hoping the situation is going to resolve itself. Maybe that's what this film is actually really a comment on, you know? You can't just sit around and wait for help to come. Sometimes you've got to make your own help. And Wait, hang on. You said there's going to be zombies in this film? supposedly (laughs) i'm very interested to see how they come into play and i hope it's sooner rather than later but we shall see cage match oh i'm pretty sure you're right this might be a pretty swift match but we'll see how it plays out let's run let's run the categories round one peter lowe the vampire kisser himself our current reigning champ versus man in red sports car first category they're up against one another in is likability i mean i think man in red sports car actually has this one he pulls over and to, to help people. It's a cool car. He hasn't murdered anyone. He's not pestering bystanders on the street. I think this is actually 1-0 to Man in Red Sports Car. Yeah, undeniably. He pulls over. He tries to be compassionate. He's got a cool car and a cool jacket. Got a cool nose. 1-0 to Man in Red Sports Car. Okay. Next up, we're cutting straight to the, the heart of the competition, strength. Neither character really gives us much of a display of strength. Are you kidding me? Did you see what Peter did to that lamp? Oh, of course. (laughs) (laughs) This is an easy game. Yeah, that's one all. He kicks the shit out of that room in one take and destroys a camera in the process. Next category we've got, as previously discussed, is agility. Well, this is two. This is two one to the man in the red sports car. He couldn't have been. Couldn't have been quicker. It's gotta be like he's in. He's out. This is dangerously close to having a new champion of the cage match who had a sixteen-second cameo in one of the worst (laughs) films I've ever seen. And that's really a lot to say coming off the back of Vampire's Kiss that this is the worst film. Well, especially when we consider our next category here, which is appearance. Oh, God. They're both so close on this one because they feel like they're both the same character but with different parts accentuated. This is really a test against plastic nose against plastic teeth. But I don't think I've seen something funnier this year, perhaps in a few years, than the shot where... Cage finally, for the first time, loads those teeth into his mouth. Yeah, that is absolutely priceless. It's just what an incredible look. I also had it to, to Peter that he is a little more versatile with his appearances, you know? Yeah. We see him shabby at the end. We see him smart when we need to. We see him with teeth and the, the blood all over him. Like This guy's got a few looks, but and also he's not... He's not afraid to change, which uh, I respect about the guy. Man of Red Sports Car's got a lot going on. He's got a fantastic haircut. He's got that powerful, unforgettable nose. And obviously that cool, cool jacket. But I think really it's 
it's going to go to Peter just for how he commits so hard to his look. This has become a lot closer than I intended because that brings us two all with one category left. But knowing that that final category is just listed as Cage, I don't think you're going to get a more Cage performance out of any character he's played than Peter Lowe. I don't know if one exists. I don't know if one is on the market. Until, until we hit Deadfall, I don't think that's going to be topped in that category. So there we go. So there we are. Moving on yet again to the next round of Cage Match. We have Peter Lowe. Ding, ding, ding. Hold on. What's going on in this film right now? Just turn my attention back to the movie. And yeah, it's it's night. Our three characters around a fire. But the nerdiest of the three is, hang on a bloody minute. What's going on now? Is this what I think it is? I think this is the zombies. Oh, uh, hang on. So are these zombies just as part of a... Oh, some sort of dream sequence. He's telling a scary story around the fire, I believe. God, he's embarrassing to look at, isn't he? They're now slow dancing in a desert around a fire for absolutely no reason. Not at all worried about, you know, all the, the kind of wildlife that they could be in danger from. This is quite a weird... This scene almost has sort of uh, cuckold undertones where the <laughs> one, the nerdy friend is just watching on behind the sound while the other two slow dance together. And like he's clearly, there was a scene earlier on, which we just talked straight over because it wasn't particularly interesting, where the, the nerdy of the two is just ma- fantasizing about marrying the girl they've, they've crashed into. Oh, no, he's cutting. Oh, the nerd the nerd had just cut in for his part of the dance. Much like in Cuckold, <laughs> where the husband finally goes, enough is enough. <laughs> I presume. <laughs> Maybe this is a good time for me to bust out something else I've been working on as it slightly, and only very slightly, cuts into what we were just talking about there. Daniel, how would you feel about hearing some Nicolas Cage fan fiction. Oh, I would absolutely love to, Ben. Here we go. Welcome to Story Corner. St- <laughs> I don't know who the original author of this is. I and honestly can't completely remember how I found it. I Google searched Nicolas Cage's name and the name of another famous person to see if they'd met or ever commented on each other. They didn't come up together. However, what did come up was this great fan fiction. So, Nicolas Cage was doing what he normally did, strolling through the park with his pet crocodile, Crocolus Cage. <laughs> Crocolus. <laughs> Suddenly, he heard something loud yet faint as if roaring wind. Nicolas Cage looked to his side and gasped. It was Donald Trump. We need to build a wall, Donald screeched, his pale, hay-coloured toupee spinning like a helicopter in the breeze. <laughs> Nicholas cried out in fear, his eyes widening as if he was an anime character. <laughs> Crocolus Cage, help! He wailed, only to realise his beloved pet had gone. Coward! He screamed, tears streaming down his face. This was the end. Nicholas Cage crouched down on the ground, covering his receding hairline, bit mean, with his hands as Donald Trump's voice grew louder. I will build a great wall, great wall, and I will have Mexico pay for that wall. The words echoed in Nicholas Cage's head. Nicholas Cage felt himself be swept up in the air as Donald Trump sunk his orange talons into Nicholas's arm. He sobbed, waiting for the sweet release of death. Suddenly, he heard an outraged roar and opened his eyes. It was Kanye West. Oh, my God. This Nicholas began thrashing against Donald Trump's grip. Seeing Kanye had given him a reason to live again, something to fight for. Soon, Donald Trump let out a defiant wail. Nicholas Cage fell through the air. The Thomas the Train Engine theme song playing in the background. Who's written this? <laughs> he landed in Kanye's arms, his face heating up. My hero, he gasped, dramatically placing his arm on his forehead. Kanye placed his finger to Nicholas Cage's lip. Shh, he whispered. Hush, my child. Nicholas Cage nodded, exhaustion washing over him. Soon he fell asleep there in Kanye's arms, underneath the setting sun. Where's the crocodile? To be continued in chapter two. Oh my god. What an imaginative community we've let ourselves into. So we we started by saying that the film we're watching is could maybe be described as B Tech and we've taken the podcast on a full GCSE run. <laughs> <laughs> we are in the trenches right now, people. Yeah, this is from what I can see, there's twenty five minutes left and that's 
25 minutes too long. We are fighting a losing battle. Here is a moment I would like to extend our arms out to the people that have been tuning in with us along for this journey. We're going to need you in future. I mean, Nicholas himself has been very kind to us most of the time, but every now and then, as we're finding out, he likes to play tricks. He likes to play dirty. He likes to drag us through the mud with him. He's a rascal. We will need as much support as we can get in the 13 or so weeks we have ahead of us because untold horrors lie ahead. Yeah, I didn't think this could possibly be as bad as it's turned out to be, but this is just abysmal. Oh, hello, we've got a sex scene on the movie. Oh, oh my God. There's some uh, some desert breasts. Wait, is it is it the nerd or is it the... This is the cuck lover. Of course, there's a bunch of school children dressed as ballerinas dancing around the bed while they're... Oh my, what is... I mean, respectfully, all those children are turned away while they dance, L- but... Probably legally providing, yeah. That is an interesting choice, to say the least. This guy is crazy on having people, he doesn't care who... Watch him make love. This is just insane. All right, Cageheads, I have got some huge news. Okay. A few days ago, I alluded to some massive news and then... Oh, yes. And we completely forgot about it. (laughs) I got entirely sidetracked. uh, And then going through and editing the episode, I heard it again and thought, okay, I will bring this up when I speak with Dan later. Completely forgot about it. But right now, with all this time on my hands whilst watching this garbage film, Never on a Tuesday, I've remembered. We've got huge news. Everyone listen up. You included, Daniel. All right. I'm, I'm ready for this. I'm excited. There is going to be, in the year 2021, a Nicolas Cage film about... Nicolas Cage, starring Nicolas Cage, which will be named, in possibly the most Nicolas Cage move, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. (laughs) Incredible. Yeah, you've, you've got to love it. Details are scarce at the moment, but so far, here's what we know. A release date has been announced for a new film starring Nicolas Cage, in which the actor stars as a fictionalized version of himself. According to Deadline, Lionsgate have set March 2021, little under a year to go, as the release date for the unbearable weight of massive talent. It's an action comedy in which he accepts a role in a Tarantino movie, something that famously hasn't happened before in the past. In the film, Cage talks to an egotistical 90s version of himself who mocks his future self for not being famous as well as for making too many low-budget films. (laughs) (laughs) Facing a considerable amount of debt, the fictionalized Cage must accept a $1 million offer, oh boo-hoo, to attend a superfan's birthday. That fan just happens to be a Mexican drug cartel member. Oh my god. (laughs) When things take a turn for the worse, Cage must channel his former on-screen characters in order to save himself and his teenage daughter. This is perfection. Good god. (laughs) We've got an 11-month wait. That's going to be the longest wait of my life. Good lord. The unbearable weight of massive talent starring Nick Cage as Nick Cage about Nick Cage is coming out in March 2021. Insane. We've had a few people reaching out to us about doing watches along with us. We're currently trying to figure out the best way to do this, but it's something we're super keen to. So keep your eyes on our social media stuff. We've got an at Uncaged Cast on Instagram and on Twitter, where we'll be publishing details of where you can watch some of these good, good, good films along with us. We'll make sure we pick the good ones so that you're not uh, stuck with us on a slog through Never on Tuesday. What's been very interesting about undertaking the Uncaged project so far is learning a lot about the man Nicolas Cage, but I feel learning a lot about ourselves along the way. And today, I've learned a lot. I've learned where my limits lie. (laughs) (laughs) The only time this has happened to us before was obviously the beginnings of Moonstruck, which obviously it makes you wait quite a while before Nick's character is revealed. I, I enjoyed that. Our other one was in The Cotton Club, where Nick's character is killed off with about half an hour remaining but that film's gripping enough that it's you know you're not going to turn it off this having you know this this film really blew its load 15 minutes in oh yeah and i've i've struggled to grip anything since oh boy oh boy yeah 
this is Nick just chiming in for a bit of fun, but just to let us know who's really in control here. Yeah, this is a good bit of muck from our boy Nick. Good prank, well paid off. Tomorrow we are moving on to a little-known Nick Cage film called Time to Kill, a film I label as little-known because I don't know it. (laughs) Yep, I think that's completely fair. I have not heard of this film before at all. I'm excited to go back to our regular calibre of Cage film. This obviously is a cameo and no disrespect for the director, but this is not a great movie. I'd be throwing a lot more shade if I didn't know that you went on to direct the very excellent Mouse Hunt. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a pass just based on that, but I'm less than happy about spending my quarantine watching that film. Today was hard work. We need you out there, cage heads. I'll go with cage heads. I like it. Uh, if you've made it this far, cage heads, uh, we appreciate the support a lot. Today was the biggest speed bump along our journey. It was a cruel, cruel prank from our good friend Nicholas, and I think we're really going to have to sit back and reassess our relationship with the guy. But tomorrow is another day, and we will keep our chins up, and we will keep plowing forward. Before we do end this, and this is going to be a tough one, Ben, but I oh, really God. require you here. Oh, no. I am begging you. Be nice to Nicky, Ben. Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. Um, I would like to be nice to Nicky today and say, I really got what you were doing with the character and I... I appreciated the compassion that you chose for the gentleman you were playing to have. You didn't have to go there. You could have played a gold chain wearing jockey type character with a sports car, but you chose to play someone that cares despite their troubled past. And I really appreciated that, Nick. Thank you. How about you, Daniel? What are you going to say to Nicky today? Great car, great nose. Double whammy. Yeah. Well earned. Right. Boy, what a, what a, what a battle yeah, we fought in today. That was an uphill struggle. That was the audiovisual equivalent of kicking water up a hill. Jokes are funny and all, but um, this is not a joke. This is some real hard work. I do not recommend you watch this. This is categorically not a Cage classic. Daniel, a pleasure to spend time with you. Yeah, as always, pal. Nick, stop playing tricks, man. Come on. He's been a dirty little rascal recently. And like we say... Every day on the show, despite all my rage, I'm still hanging out with Nick Cage. See you tomorrow, everyone. I'm going back to bed.